Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to do one easy thing that'll put a smile on my face, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Diego Gonzalez. How you should listen to tradesmen and what happens when management doesn't know what they're doing. I'm an electrician, but I'll skip technical details to necessary parts. Winter got us pinned at the office construction site. My colleagues needed heat to plaster walls, mix adhesives, etc. So, as a site electrician, I was given a task of making sure there were enough large heaters, 30 amps each times 8, to heat three floors. There wouldn't be any problem if we had more power to use. We could use 400 amps on a wire secured by 315 amp breakers. With all the heaters on full throttle, we would have 470 amps, including staff rooms and office. The cables were also big enough, and the tradies would turn them at half power at the end of the shift. Here comes the malicious compliance. I knew that our transformer would burn down first if I did what management wanted. After two months of battle, arguing and giving alternatives, which came on top by the way, I gave up and complied. I told tradies to put these heaters on half power when they call it a day, and they more or less listened, while Upper Echelon ordered them to put it on max without my knowledge. It was arguably fine, despite my warnings about heating of wires that powered these heaters. One day, after a month, at the union break, lights flickered. I thought of it as fluorescent lights being fluorescent lights. Oh, how I was wrong. Five minutes later, I've got a call that our transformer is smoking. I opened the fuse box that was next to it and shut down the whole site, as wires, oil, and insulation started burning. I've moved to a safe distance, called the fire department and energy workers, and when white smoke started turning black, I wanted to say, didn't I tell you, as I was crouching and smoking a cig. It burned down completely. Next day, we got a fuse box with half the power and all but three heaters were decommissioned. As I was sitting in my room after investigation, I was talking with the energy company. Reason? Power cables didn't have time to cool down, cable entry points melted, caught fire, and breakers didn't work. That's not my fault, that's on energy company. And here's the aftermath. When director learned of this, he ordered the managers to ask me if it's okay to use anything that needs three wires, and all in all, de facto, became a person that's solely responsible in terms of electricity. All I know is in situations like this, where it falls on your shoulders and you do what you can to try to advise against a clearly bad situation, you should try and make sure that you get it in writing that you said not to do that, so no matter what, no liability can come back to your shoulders. In a situation like this, where something practically burns down, would you go to that management and say, didn't I tell you? I know what I'm talking about. Or do you think that it burning down is punishment enough? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. This next story is by Telium. Shut up or leave? Okay. Several years ago, I worked for six months at a daycare. I was 18 and was rotated between classrooms to cover for the other sick teachers or to relieve them so they could go home instead of working 13 plus hours. 
Backstory of how they treated me, despite receiving government funding, this daycare was super Christian. The owner was always there, and I was the only non-Christian. Growing up not Christian in the Bible Belt, I knew better than to let them know that though. I never made the kids say grace before lunch, but never commented anything negative towards Christianity or God. They once asked me what church I go to, and I gave them the name of one I always saw on my way to work. They once asked me if I pray every day, and I told them I did, but in a different way that they do. That I don't pray about my day-to-day troubles as I know God has a plan for me, and instead prayed for the world's well-being. They were horribly harassing me the entire time for not believing in God the way they do, the right way, and for being depressed. The owner saw me disassociating once, which from the outside perspective looks like I'm spaced out but I'm actually fully aware what's going on around me, and spoke to me about not paying attention to the children. I had to explain to her what depression even was and she accused me of being possessed by the devil. The director slash two year old teacher, who I had barely spoken to before, came up to me one day to tell me that she used to have depression and I just needed to drink more water and do yoga. Furthermore, every time I passed through the kitchen, whoever saw me in the kitchen would remind me to drink water. And if I said, I just had some, I'd be met with, have another. After I started to ignore them and their comments on my appearance, I had blue short hair and why I didn't grow it out or wear perfume. On Thursday's nap time, all six teachers, plus the owner, myself, and the other aide like me, who was younger, unmarried, and pregnant, would gather in the office, hold hands, go around one at a time, and tell me what's wrong with me. The cologne instead of perfume I chose to wear made me smell manly, ignoring their comments, getting on my phone to answer a call from my sister who I was taking care of by myself around the kids, etc. And then everyone would pray for me. This went on for more than half the time I was there. I had just about had enough because obviously being there only made my depression worse and the owner got more and more convinced I was possessed by the devil. So she took me out of the classrooms. I was no longer an aide. I was promoted to education enrichment manager. It was a made up position that had not come with a pay raise and while I was supposed to remind the teachers to do their monthly certifications, encourage them to go to our state-funded childcare classes and so on, I was never actually given time to do any of this. My new job was essentially being the owner's chauffeur. She was 60 years oldish and never had a driver's license or driven a car. She was too scared to ever learn. Despite always being at the facility before, all of a sudden she had a plethora of reasons to be driven around now. I get one-on-one time with her as we drive in the southern humid summer with no AC in the daycare van to go grocery shopping for the daycare, visit her husband while he's at work, take her to a realtor for her own personal looking, etc. Except for grocery shopping, she would always ask me to stay in the van and leave me for about two hours give or take. She once took an hour and a half grocery shopping for the daycare and forgot her wallet, so she called one of the teachers to come pick her up leaving me there for three hours and took the van keys with her so I couldn't leave. She had her transaction suspended while I sat at the front the whole time waiting on her. At least I had AC that time. I was also getting paid the entire time and it was easy to just drown out her talking at me and mess around on my phone when I wasn't driving. The fallout slash malicious compliance. The director slash two year old teacher ended up leaving because her husband was being relocated. 
So they put me in the one-year-old class and put the one-year-old teacher with the two-year-olds on the other half of the split room. We can see into each other's rooms because there's just a baby gate between us where the room was split by a big bookcase. She's always on her phone when I'm looking at her and usually holding a child while the rest play, but pretty much not paying attention. After about two weeks, during which time Thursdays resumed, I once again receive an important call from my 14-year-old sister who was home alone, calling me because her dog of five years got out and she's freaking out. The director called the company phone, which another teacher brings to me, for her to ask me why I was on the phone. Wherever she was, she was watching the cameras. I tried to explain about my sister, but I guess she was having a bad day because she told me that if I wanted to backtalk, I could get out. I still attempted to explain, but now I was arguing and I was still in front of the children. And that's unacceptable behavior and I needed to be quiet and stay off my phone or get out. So I hung up on her and walked out, just left the children unsupervised. I walked quickly through the kitchen, which also had a baby gate, and it swung closed behind me, and I leave and go home. I get a call the next evening when I didn't show up there. I didn't intend on going back whatsoever. She called chastising me for leaving and asking me when I'm coming back. I tried to explain to her that she told me to leave. She didn't mean right then, apparently, and when I was coming back. I asked her if she wanted me there. She asked me what I meant. I told her straight up, tell me when you want me there and I'll come back tomorrow as scheduled. She asked me why I'm playing these games. Do I think she's stupid, etc. She never answered me and so I asked her again. She goes on to yell and explain that she's educated and just got her GED 5 years ago. I'm playing games with her and treating her like she's stupid. I told her, congratulations for getting your GED, but I just graduated a few months ago at 18 despite living on my own and taking care of my sister. If you don't want me there, Mrs. M, I will not be there. If you want me there, I'll be there tomorrow. I tell her. I stood fast to my position, though the longer it went on, the more obvious she wasn't playing stupid. She either just was or just didn't want me to be there and didn't want to say so. I ended up hanging up on her again. The aftermath, she called me the next day, saying that if I wasn't coming back in, to just come in to sign my resignation. I had a friend who I often vented to about the way they treated me, and offered to go with me, and I dearly needed the emotional support, and knowing abusers, they would save face in front of a witness. I go to go sign the resignation, which I wasn't even sure was actually needed because I'd never needed to before, and I've quit a handful of jobs up to here. But whatever, I'd never worked at a daycare before either. Then they show me a ride up for the baby gate, hitting the pregnant girl behind me on the way out. My friend suggested that I don't sign the ride up and I agree. What's it needed for if I'm resigning anyway? I didn't do it intentionally either. I didn't even know she was behind me. Also, why didn't she catch it? Whatever. I go and read the resignation, which stated that I was quitting effective immediately without a two weeks notice. I sign it, then the write-up. I said I wasn't going to sign, and they said if I didn't, the pregnant girl was going to press charges. I thought that was stupid as freak and stared at her mouth agape, and she looked at me so freaking smug. I don't know how they could count that as assault, but I signed it anyway after some arguing because, once again, I didn't do it intentionally, and nothing happened to her or the baby. I did, however, sincerely apologize to her because I genuinely never meant her or her baby any harm. I left and never looked back. Nothing ended up happening with police or any legal ramifications of any kind. 
and I'm still pretty sure it was just a bluff anyway. Anyways, that's well behind me, and the next week, I got hired at another daycare as an actual teacher closer to home. It was awesome for a year, it was awesome for a year, and then they started cutting my hours when the owner's daughter got pregnant and needed a job and they had us share a classroom. When they had me coming in two hours a day, five days a week, I just quit showing up and they never called me. I never signed a resignation. Both places were minimum wage, by the way. I don't think there's ever a place where you have to sign a resignation. I think you can, but otherwise you should probably just show up or not show up at all and let them fire you. I'm definitely not a lawyer, so I don't know the legal ramifications on what they can and can't fire you for. No showing is probably a good reason though. I do think it's pretty darn scummy though that they tried to pull one over on you with this like assault case. I really don't think had it gone anywhere it would have led to anything, but it's more so the threat of having it go there, having to go to court, having to deal with it. It's just total scumbag moves. And our final story of the day is by Ertelina, The Wonders of the French Language. Well, this is not quite a malicious compliance, more of a joke compliance, but I felt like I had to share how wonderful the French language can, at times, be. It's a very short and simple story. My brother occasionally goes and spends some day at my sister's place to help her family a bit, either watching the pets, the children, or both when there's a need to help. He likes to do it as he likes to move around and is currently unemployed and my sister lives somewhere between 250 to 300 kilometers, 155 to 186 miles in freedom units, away. Anyways, my sister got to tell me that one little compliance he got in her one day, when after dinner, she went upstairs to put her daughter to bed and asked him to wrap the leftover steak in plastic wrap. You would say, there's nothing wrong here, right? Well, this is where the French comes into place. You see, the term usually used in France to represent this action is filmer le steak, as the plastic wrap is often called film alimentaire. However, filmer can also mean something a bit different. You see, filmer can also represent the verb of recording a video. Now you see where this is going. Yep. While my sister was upstairs busy putting her daughter to bed, she received a message, checked her phone, and saw that my idiot brother had sent a whooping 30 second long video of that steak in its plate from all possible angles. She facepalmed and, ever since, always is very specific when asking someone to use the plastic wrap. This is definitely one of these more playful compliances, one of these very heartfelt, playful, innocent ones. It's just nice to have an experience here where nobody's angry or yelling at each other. The worst you got is a 30 second long video of some steak on a plate, very masterly filmed, and maybe a little bit more microbes because he didn't pack it up and store it away sooner. All in all, a funny story and no harm done. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.